0: Dream big, cause boy you're gonna make it. Stand soldiers higher road to take it. Let go of everything that you know and be wild in the Missouri.
1: Yeah. Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast. A podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. And on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer, Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion." Welcome back to episode number 49 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Rick. And I am Patrick. And we're glad to be back with you on, is this, what well, we call this round two? Of like, I don't know. Yeah, this could be the second round of the Beers and Bible Podcast. <laughs> we're, we're doing, uh, we're, we're finally done with Packer. Uh, this is also our one year anniversary podcast episode yeah so so happy one year to us yeah uh, happy, we're gonna celebrate by drinking beer yeah happy birthday <laughs> to that's gonna sound real good when you <laughs> distort it later um that'll be awesome yeah so yeah one year this is it's, it's been a it's been a bit of a ride we've we've gone through some pretty significant life changes in the last year yeah and uh um, so have we it, it's just been just thinking about to when we started this whole thing, like the idea behind it, yes. and now that we're, you know, this is a year into it, so it's kind of cool to see, not necessarily where this has come in the last year, but just kind of how I've grown individually mm-hmm. in the last year, especially since we just spent pretty much a whole year <laughs> studying concise <laughs> Theology, so. Studying a 200-page book. <laughs> but but it's been a good it's been a good ride and we're excited for what year 2 is going to bring. Hopefully we're not in one study for a whole year. No. That's not our goal is not to be in a study for that long ever again. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's it's funny but one of the podcasts I listen to, they do two episodes a week and they've been in one study for like 2 years almost now. Mm-hmm. And so they do like one episode that's that's in the study and then they do another episode that's just kind of topical or whatever. So that's a that's a fun one fun one to listen to, but we are tonight uh let's talk about beer first. we yes. have it's called the UFO white mm-hmm. and saw it in the store looked kind of interesting um UFO I, one thing I noticed on my my six pack deal was it said UFO apparently is employee owned um okay i don't I don't know that's what it said on the six pack that I threw away. Uh, but UFO Brewing, apparently, is employee-owned, and uh, they have a few different beers mm-hmm. to pick from, and so we came across the UFO White, which, if I'm being really honest, it basically looks like uh, Blue Moon, uh, but it says, on the, on the bottle, it says, crisp, light-bodied, and brewed with orange peel and coriander. Again, with the coriander. Yes. I think that's about as close as you can get to Blue Moon, but this is from Boston, Massachusetts, or Windsor, Vermont. So yeah. I just threw mine down. <laughs> Careful opening that. I'm just glad it didn't explode over everything. I probably just woke up everyone in my house, too. <laughs> oh, well. So, the website does say it's employee-owned, by the way. So, yes. I guess the six-pack wasn't was, lying to you. was too. not wrong. Yeah, so, uh, let's see here. Get to the white. I was there, but then I got away. So it is a belgian Mm -hmm. brew and that's what i guess that's what made you because uh blue moon is belgian white yeah that's what it's called i am anticipating this being a lot like uh blue moon uh abv is 4.8 percent um it says serve with a slice of orange and enjoy anything where you got to add fruit to it I'm i'm already like not not a huge fan of
0: <laughs>
1: the uh this is true the whole like gotta add a lemon or lime wedge to corona yeah to make it drinkable that is kind of a turn off, so yeah i typically don't put like when i drink blue moon i don't put uh, an orange slice on mine i kind of i'll just like it regular i've had it with orange slices and it makes mm-hmm. it i mean it adds a little bit of citrus flavor or whatever to it but but uh it doesn't do much for me they've got uh recipes with their beer on the website but this, this is a, but UFO I white is, had that. UFO white is not one of the, Aww. I'm not seeing it, so. But, uh, I'm, right ready, I'm ready to crack open the UFO white. And, let's uh, do it. Get to, get
0: let's going. crack it.
1: Let's crack it open. Let's see if mine spews everywhere all over me because I have not gone and gotten another. one.
0: We'll yeah. see what happens. Uh, well,
1: be careful and <laughs> save the recording equipment. <laughs> That's right. Here we go. One, two, three, Crack. I don't think mine made a noise. Mine, mine wasn't very loud either. Okay, so it says swirl it as you pour. It pours cloudy because it's unfiltered. That's what it says on my bottle. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna swirl because I don't know how. So. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm just gonna let it do its own little thing here. This is uh, this is actually the same color as Blue Moon and everything. It's got the the smell is a little bit different than Blue Moon. I don't have enough of a um, gauge of Blue Moon. Also, mine has like no foam. Yeah, I don't. I don't That's know. That's weird. Maybe if I didn't <laughs> pour it right or something. This okay. So this smells a little bit like like uh, this is gonna sound bad, but like Bud Light, Coors Light. <laughs> It might be in that realm. I don't put I don't put uh put Blue Moon in there, but we'll see uh we'll see if it turns out like that. But this is the uh we're gonna turn it up. This is the UFO White uh from UFO Brewing do in buy- Boston, Massachusetts. Do we oh want we a got brewer- a pre rate. Yeah. We got a pre rate. At some point we'll remember all the things. <laughs> all the stuff we do. Um, you go first. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Blue Moon, but I also haven't had it probably since we started recording since over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to conservatively give it three and a half Luthers on the front end okay. before I taste it, and we'll see what happens from there. See what happens. I have had Blue Moon, and I know what I would rate Blue Moon um blue moon is a good beer but it's not great so i'm also going to come in at three and a half luthers because i feel like this is going to be uh just a different version of blue moon so yeah and i'm hoping that maybe i just like this one i don't know <laughs> see what happens yep here we go so you well, have go. turn them up meh <laughs> yeah it's it's decent it definitely got the flavor of blue moon.
0: it's got um, a really
1: weird texture, yep, well blue moon does have a weird texture, okay, well, then I mean that like I said, I <laughs> haven't had blue moon in at least a year um I'll go first on this one because uh i'm I'm gonna come in at three and a half just like I said I was mm-hmm. um I like blue moon, blue moon is good to me. The flavor of this one is very, very similar to blue moon it's got it's I don't know if it's just a little bit more carbonated, kind of has that like soda feel. Feels like club soda. Is what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, like club soda feel. Um, just a little more bubbles in it. I feel like it's going to make me burp a little bit more than beer normally does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. A, I mean, this is good, not great. Um, it's. It's. There's nothing really different than than a blue moon to me. There's no. You know. There's no. We made it a little bit. Uh, you know a different type of of coriander or whatever they used a different type of orange and and it gave it a different flavor i don't know it just kind of tastes normal um it's good it's okay i would i'm i'm gonna drink the other ones i have i'm not gonna give them away or anything Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah i'm gonna come in i'm gonna come in at three and a half liters on this guy yeah so i'm actually i think i might have overrated um, oh, are you gonna go lower yeah. than Rick? I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna have to give it three Luthers. Um, I, you know, I, it's a, uh, it's okay. It's, it's not like, it's not as bad as Calic. Let's say that up front. <laughs> um, K-Lick K-Lick was, still wins the worst beer. Calic is <laughs> the undefeated champion of worst beer that we've had on the podcast. <laughs> Love that. Of course I gave Calic I also gave Kaelic three, but I don't remember if there were some other factors contributing to that, but Surely it was because you were not in your right mind. I guess not, so <laughs> but um I mean this is in, in again, I haven't had Blue Moon in a long time, but I also don't really like Blue Moon
0: yeah. to begin
1: with. So if we're saying that this is similar to Blue Moon, you know, maybe there's a psychological thing going on where I'm already got a disposition Against it, against it. Um, it's okay. It's a decent, plain beer. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's it's, there's not much to say about this I'll, one. I'll at all. say this: if if this is sitting right next to a Blue Moon on the shelf, I'm gonna grab a Blue Moon every time because Blue Moon is a dollar fifty cheaper per six pack. So, yeah.
0: and there's brand <laughs>
1: recognition there. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of... I've gotten to where I actually prefer the craft brewery beers. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, number one, I know I'm probably, like, sending some dude's kids to dance class or something like that. Because right. most craft breweries are small business. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I like to support small businesses. But, but even even more, like, I've kind of grown to just kind of like the flavor. There, there's something... Even if it's like an amber. So, the Fairhope Amber, which I gave five Luthers because I love ambers. Uh, like, that one, I'll go back and get... That one specifically Mm -hmm. over a Yingling, even though I can get 12 Yinglings for the price of six Amber, you know, I hope Ambers, but, but, uh, I just, I've gotten to where I kind of like them a little bit better Mm -hmm. than, than Yinglings. Yeah. I'm not really sure there's, this one's just not really great to me and Mm -hmm. it's, it's not. And what's what's funny is if I talked to my wife, I could almost guarantee cause she loves blue moon, um, I, I could guarantee she's in the four and a half to five Luther range <laughs> on on this one. She might be a little lower, but I don't think so. If she likes Blue Moon, she'll probably like this one. Yeah, and she actually had one with dinner, but I try not to ask her what she thought how it was because I don't want to get a uh a gauge of what she of how yeah. she thinks I'd like it. So yeah. So there you go. I mean, the I've, UFO. I've drank half I of it already. <laughs> and, And it's not getting better, but, Mm -mm. um, Um, by the end of this, I'm, I may join you at three. We're, we're going to see mine's not getting any better either. And, um, I also haven't had a beer in a couple nights and this is the first one tonight. So, (laughs) um, I, I know I've got other stuff in the fridge that I might be, uh, partaking in instead (laughs) if I go to get a second. So anyway, all that to say, UFO, look, it's, it's not you, it's us. (laughs) We we've become old and crotchety in our old age and sorry. Yeah. our, our if, old age of two. At least at or least one. you're not at least you're not Calic. Yes. i just you know, at least you're not Calic. Forever grateful that you're not Calic. It, K- it could be worse. So this it could this, be worse. I think this might be a first. I've given threes in back to back weeks. Have you really? Mm-hmm. I gave the the Bat Squatch last week. The Bat Squatch. I gave, squats, it, I gave like, it, yeah. three Luthers. Yeah, I gave that one three too. Um, it wasn't very good i still i still have five more in my fridge (laughs) i think i do too i might have four but i think i've got five yeah i definitely haven't drank i think my wife may have drank one of them i don't know but i definitely haven't drank any of the bat squatches since since last week those are those are anything that we rank three and lower our beers we're gonna try to (laughs) we're gonna try to find ways to cook with them or something either that or when our friends come over hey man you want to try this beer yeah exactly (laughs) If we could have friends over because of Corona, so... Is it any good? Uh, you want to try this beer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm also not going to reveal the entire truth either, so... Alright, so now that we've reviewed UFO, and UFO, again, it's not anything against you guys. We, it's just not what we're not, looking for in a beer. It's not our style. Yeah, it's just not our it's style. somebody's style, but yeah. it's not ours. And they're apparently doing good enough, because they got locations up in the extreme northeast and we were able to find them where we live so that's true that's true so what are we going to do next patrick we've we're done with concise theology obviously we're going to keep going with with this thing what are we going to do now well we're going to wait for the music to fade in and then we're going to tell them when it when when it fades out so that's what we're going to (laughs) do here goes the music now all right. And we're back now that the music's faded out. Um, (laughs) so now that we've finished concise theology and, uh, that was a great study for us and we hope that you enjoyed that, but it's time to move on. Um, we are going to take some time over the next few weeks and dive into a book written by, uh, Josh and Sean McDowell. Mm -hmm. Um, they're a father son duo. Josh is a, uh, he he's a author. He's a pastor, um, and his son is also uh, a pastor. Um, and we're gonna dive into this book, and the title of the book is "77 Frequently Asked Questions About God and the Bible." Um, we are not we are not gonna start at the beginning <laughs> and answer. And go through every single question. All seventy-seven and, questions. So doing it. So we're gonna over the next several weeks, we're gonna pick a few that we think are applicable to either our lives or the life of um, believers now, um, or that we think would be good topics for us to 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 discuss. So, and the questions in the in the book, we're not gonna just tell you what these guys say about the topics, about the questions. Um, We're going to use those kind of as a a foundation for um, what we're going to discuss, and then we will kind of reveal more about our personal ideologies and and reveal some of what we believe about certain topics um, while using their question kind of as as the launch point for the discussion. Think of it like a diving board. Yes. Jumping into the deep end of a pool. To do a giant cannonball. Yeah. And hopefully you get high enough and don't belly flop. So, (laughs) um, tonight we are going to discuss a topic, and it's really topical given the situation that our country is currently in. And um, it's going to get, I think it's going to be a good discussion. It's going to be interesting for us to talk through tonight. Um, We are going to discuss the question, is God racist? Yes. Oh, wait, I mean, no, no. So, so let, let's, let's dive into that. So, what is, what, is, what do we mean when we say that somebody is racist? You asking me? Yeah. That's, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, when, when someone is a racist, we, we always, I always like to say that that person, um, Whatever their race is, it's not bound to a specific race, but that the person believes that that race is a superior race to one or multiple other races okay um, so so I'll give a few examples here. Um, obviously the the huge 20th century example would be that Adolf Hitler believed that the Aryan race was superior to uh, Jews and Muslims and you know. Uh, blacks and and so he wanted to see the supremacy of his race, and he he felt like they belonged in a place of of rule over the other races, and so that led to what what we know now as World War ii Um, so that's an example. Um, there are examples of um, uh, apartheid in South Africa would be an example of racism, mm-hmm. where where uh, people in South Africa and, and in that that instance in apartheid it was not necessarily color-based uh because a a lot of the people in south africa are white um but but it was still very much uh much race driven by one specific group of people who believe they were better than than another group of people right um so sometimes you know I, i think racism can get outside of uh, borders as far as you know the color of our skin or or who we identify with as white or uh, black or Hispanic or Asian or whatever you whatever you define yourself as or, or whatever your ethnicity is. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes it can get outside of that, but the kind of core root of racism would would believe that your race whoever you ethnically identify with is better than another race or multiple races gotcha yeah i mean that's a uh... and for two white guys it's going to be weird to talk about racism <laughs> i think but um we also are willing to admit the humor that we picked a beer called white uh, I don't think we're gonna I be discussing sh- racism. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> that was unplanned until until I actually said it. I was like, "Oh, we're doing a beer called White." Yeah, oh, so great. <laughs> okay, so you talked about racism and people, you know, thinking that their race is superior above yes. another or all races. Um, so how does how can people use that definition of racism to say that God is racist. Um. So one of the kind of key examples that I have heard from scripture um, is they, they will point to Genesis nine and they will point to the curse of ham. Uh, they, they believe and and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. They believe wrongly uh, that the curse of ham means that everyone was born uh, white, Whatever, you know, typically it's, it's, you know, white people who are, who are propagating that, that statement. Uh, but they say, you know, the, the human race was pure and it was white. And then when they were cursed, they were cursed to be black. Uh, and that is the curse of Ham. And uh, in reality, if you go read Genesis 9 and read the accounts uh, leading up to Genesis 9, following Noah in the flood, chapter 6, 7, and 8, and onward, um, what you see is that the curse is not on Ham. The curse is on Ham's descendants, mm-hmm. uh, which would be Canaan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so so much like the curse of sin falls from Adam, the curse of Ham's sin fell to Canaan directly. Um, but there's no, there's no indication in Scripture that the curse was specifically a changing of their the color of their skin to show that they were an inferior people. Um, and and it, it, you only need to go back to Genesis one to see, uh, that God says in scripture that, that he created man, male and female, he created them and that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. you, if you are a human being, if you have, uh, opposable thumbs and, and walk on two legs and, uh, carry human gene, uh, genomes or human DNA, you are made in the image of God mm-hmm. period, regardless of your, your skin color, regardless of your ethnicity regardless of what other somebodies might say about you uh, the, the truth is that you are made in the image of God yeah, yeah, and, and just to go into your point about the descendants of Ham there's this belief that descendants of Ham end up moving to and living in Africa yes. um, and then the conclusion from that is that God condemned Africans into slavery. Yeah. Um, but even but you know the the book points out that that's not even right because it wasn't on Ham; it was on his son Canaan, and yeah. then Canaan's descendants didn't even settle in Africa. They ended up in Israel. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, so, so called the, they're called the Canaanites, in case you were wondering. Yeah. So, so the, <laughs> so like to pull from that that God is racist is kind of ridiculous. It is. And, and it's, it's a straw grasping argument that, um, reads white into the Bible. Um and, and and as a as a white person, I'm I'm willing to admit that people have done that, mm-hmm. and and I'm willing to say that those people who do do that are wrong. They are misinterpreting scripture. They are they are sinning against scripture by interpreting that way because that is not what scripture teaches. Right. Um. So so what is if we say okay, we're we're throwing out ham, we're throwing out that argument. What is um another argument that somebody would bring up? to say, to point to the idea that God could be called a racist. So, so this argument was actually one that until I read this chapter, I was like, well, I mean, we talked about it through text the other day when I was like, well, yeah. God chose his people. So obviously he had a specific people group that he wanted to do whatever it is he was going to do with, you know, mm-hmm. do through. Um, so, so the, so the argument is God chose the Hebrew people as his chosen people. Isn't that favoritism? Or racism and the answer to that is no uh because israel's made up of four different ethnic groups yeah um and those well f- and yeah and it's interesting i'll just add to it, when you before you go into the groups mm-hmm. you know israel was 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 a chosen people but that did not negate that people could join and be a part of israel and mm-hmm. and so that's that's part of why you end up with these these multiple groups as yeah. you could i mean and and realistically what you did when you joined on to be a part of israel was you said i'm leaving my 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 homeland i'm leaving my country and i'm i'm confessing that this is the the chosen you know these are the people the way they worship the god that they worship is the one true god and so mm-hmm. um you know you you think about that and parallel that to Um, Jesus saying that he's going to turn children against their fathers and, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a, it's a denial of your own heritage to attach yourself to the heritage of God. Yeah. I think of it like a, I mean, this is really not dumbing it down, but like really making it, trying to make it simple. But you think about like immigrants coming to the United States who go through the process of becoming citizens. There's not necessarily like a denouncement of their previous citizenship, mm-hmm. but they're here and they go through the whole process and then declare themselves, you know, yeah. declare to be citizens of this country. Yeah. So it's a similar uh, situation yeah. there. And, and the and the the reality is that in that in that instance, let's say somebody comes from Asia, uh, they move here, they go through the process of naturalization, they become citizens. They don't magically turn into Anglo's uh, when they become citizens. Mm-hmm. They're still Asians. Right? They're, they're genetically still Asians. They're, you know, um, their makeup, their ethnicity is shown in the way that they're they're made, and all that to me says is, look at the amazing creativity of our God. Exactly. Look, look at that. He can make people, um, and we're going to kind of hit on this in just a minute, but he can make people so very similar. In so many different ways, yet be so diverse mm-hmm. in in appearances, right? And so, so talk talk a little bit about the the four groups that uh that they're in. And, and we're gonna, I'm just gonna tell you, we're gonna put some show notes in here because we're pulling from multiple books on some of this discussion tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna put links uh, to to all of the books and resources that we use uh, to kind of kind of push us in in this discussion tonight. Yeah. Uh, we want to make sure you guys have access to that. So um, so Israel's made up of four different ethnic groups. We've talked about that before. So um, the four groups are the Asiatics, which are the um, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Arameans. Then mm-hmm. um, you have the Cushites, who are um, black Africans who lived along the Nile River. Um, then you've got the Egyptians, who are a mix of uh, Asiatic, North African, and African uh, there are people that pull from those uh, areas uh, culturally, and then you have the Indo-Europeans who are the Hittites and the Philistines. Yes. Yep, and so so you see this this makeup of different people who have kind of formed, and these are all descendants of Abraham, um, who who have really kind of formed um, this this nation that is that is Israel and mm-hmm. and this. This group uh, of people that is That is considered Israel Um and and then so You you kind of follow along in the Old testament and you see Um that Israel is given rules Now when they're given rules Uh the the rules are For their betterment now it's important To to remember and establish that When God made his covenant With Abraham he said I'm going to turn you into a people and And I'm going to bless you uh and and make your people number than the the grains of sand on the on the shore, mm-hmm. um, and then and then uh, as a part of that, he's saying, you know, but you're also going to have rules. You're going to have to follow a specific set of rules, and that's where we get the number. Uh, the Book of Leviticus and the Book of Deuteronomy, because these are all the rules that were laid out for the nation of Israel and again, if you wanted to join the nation of Israel, you had to follow these rules you had to to say i 'm going to do it this way right um and so so uh one of the things that they that they are forbidden to do is marry uh foreign people now um this is the argument that is often brought up against interracial marriage. Mm. Um, is the is the forbidding of uh, for the nation of Israel forbidding them to their men to marry foreign women? Now, uh, it doesn't take long, but but you get into Joseph, and you find out really quick that um, he marries an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, <laughs> uh, that that happened, yeah. and so so we, all throughout scripture. It, Israel is given rules and then doesn't follow them so it's it's not like it's a surprise that yeah that happens and but but you have joseph as this amazing provider for the nation of israel Mm -hmm. you know and 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 you get down to the point where um where it's the it's it's yeah it's joseph who who really saves his family because of his time in in egypt Mm uh when the famine hits and so so you have that story. You have Moses marrying a Cushite woman, um, and then and then there are other times in Scripture where where it's obvious that, that you know people are being married um, interracially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the you say, okay, well, how do we harmonize that? Well, I think the, the key point to draw from that is to see that Scripture is not specifically talking about marrying foreign women because of their race. It's talking about marrying foreign women because of their their faith, their religion, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and what he's steering them away from is being unequally yoked, which is what Paul talks about when he you know when he says, "Hey, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers." Right. Um, you know, you're talking about somebody. Uh, if I were a Christian, I think it would be it would be unwise and possibly wrong of me to marry a woman who is a professing Muslim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, and and. And, and honestly, in the Muslim religion, it would be wrong for her to marry me as a professing Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, that's, that's, a, that's something that's really taught within religions when you want to talk about religions as a whole. Right. Um, but, but the whole point is to say, you know, you, you should look for people who are like-minded with you in your worldview because that's you're trying to raise a family. You're, again, you're, you're promoting the family unit here. You're creating what's called a nuclear family, and, mm-hmm. and a nuclear family is really a modern term. But, but that's that's what you're driving at, right? Um, and so you you have this Old Testament idea uh, of of marriage and and all of this being interracial, when it really kind of being a faith based thing. Yeah. Um, and then and then you you compare that with the books of Leviticus, and then you bring it to the New Testament and yeah. talk about what. Talk about what Paul wrote when he wrote about the topic of racism. So so Paul addressed racism quite a bit. He, he said that, um, well, you have to remember that at the time you had uh, foreigners, women, children. They were generally regarded as property to be yeah. owned by m- the men of the homes or local rulers. Um, but then you also factor in that at the time one of the primary divisions in the church was even between Jews and Gentiles. You had uh, the Jewish people who were God's chosen people, and then you have the Gentiles who have come to faith in Jesus Mm -hmm. who are not part of the Jewish tradition, who who don't come to that background. And some of the Jews that join come in and say, hey, you Gentiles who have never done things the way the Jewish people do, you need to do them. You need to do these Jewish rituals because they... Mm -hmm really did believe that in order to be a good christian you had to continue doing all the jewish religious activities as well yeah Um, which is why paul wrote the book of galatians yeah (laughs) yeah it really is and so you know we we get we've talked about it before where it's jesus plus nothing it's jesus not jesus plus your works It's not jesus plus how much money you've given it's not jesus plus like how often you serve or witness or anything it's jesus plus nothing and Mm-hmm. the jews in paul's day had a hard time coming to grips with that and really yeah. really accepting that as as truth yeah. and that's why paul wrote in romans that there is no difference between jew and gentile the yeah. same lord is lord of all and richly blesses yeah. all who call on him and and it's important to you know and i don't want to i don't want to throw too much shade at the at the jews during this time because they're coming out of the the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. I mean, they had to do this every day, um, you know, and they had to go offer sacrifices. They had to constantly be on watch. They had to constantly follow these rules. And so, for for someone to come in and just basically be like, "Oh man, it's all willy nilly," you know, and and we're forgiven because of Christ, I'm sure there were some Jews that were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Time out! Time out! Time out!" You mean I've been doing this my whole entire life, and then this joker just comes up in here and it's all we're forgiven by the blood of Christ and and you know it 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 was hard for for you to to understand that concept and that was why they were you know more than likely i believe that's why they were so legalistic about these things right but but what that points to is is how many things do we get legalistic about things that we've done and then and then you find out 5 years later that uh you know you didn't have to do it that way right or or something something along the line came you know i, I think about I think about the invention of of electricity and modern computing and and the internet and you know, we our parents didn't have the internet when they were growing up. You know, they're probably sitting around here going, "Well, these kids, you know, they got it so easy." It, it's it's kind of that that older younger mentality that you have going on. Yeah. Um, where the younger needs to respect where the older has come from, but the older also needs to respect that the younger is coming in into their own and their and their. Yeah learning on their own in in there and so this is it's a give and take um but paul definitely wrote that and and remember paul was a jew Mm -hmm. so he also understood the sacrificial system and that's and that to me is kind of the most um telling thing telling idea about this is that you know he called himself the jew of jews Mm -hmm. and and he says you know i'm telling you that gentiles are the same and and all of this you know stuff that that would have bothered the jews because of their ethnicity because of their history because of the things that they had stood for uh growing up uh and so so you have that idea and then paul comes in and romans is like hey by the way there's no difference yeah and and you're like wait what (laughs) yeah think of it like the 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 kid who you know is is you're in high the, the kid in high school who's like trying his hardest to make the football team or whatever Mm-hmm. and does, goes to all the workouts and, and stays, gets early, stays late all the time and either doesn't make the team or doesn't get to play and the, like the coach's kid gets all the get, get, gets to be a part yeah. of it so I'm just trying to like relate it <laughs> to something I would understand so um, but yeah it's um, that's it I, I don't <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a hard thing to think about, mm-hmm. um, especially in, in today's society. But but what it does is it leads us to think critically, mm-hmm. and and thinking critically is something that the church needs to embrace again. Um, it has done it in the past, and and I think we're we're to a point now where the church needs to think critically again,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we need to quit. Um, listening to polarizing voices that that want nothing more than to pull knee-jerk reactions or sensationalize everything um and so what we've done is we've kind of gone through and and read a lot of these things and and we've put together a a set of questions a few sets of questions that we're just going to kind of talk about here for a few minutes Mm -hmm. um about you know what should the church do about racism uh, you know how the the think about the whole gamut of racism and and what should we do how should we respond things like that is where we're going to be going and so we're going to open this up with the question why is it wrong to discriminate on the basis of race well i mean apart from all men all of humanity is created in the image of god but like like, if we as believers truly believe that, then that should be, like, the driving force of not discriminating against somebody just because they look different than us. Exactly. Um, yeah. when, when, and, I mean, when you're talking about, like, you are ridiculously identical to, or me, I'll make it personal. As a white man, I am genetically, um, like, my DNA is nearly identical to any random black man or any random Hispanic man. Yeah. You can, I mean, if you want to get scientific about it, you can say that the human DNA is 99.9% the same. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about something that makes up 0.1% of who you are is really all of your outward appearance, your... Your skin color, your hair color, your eye color, your facial structures, your nose structures, uh, how long your arms are, how tall you're going to be—all of that together makes up 0.1 percent of who you are. Mm. And and how many times do we define people by tall, short, black, white? Uh, you know, all of this is is a form of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Now, and and, and I want to be I want to be crystal clear about something. What we're not saying is discrimination is wrong because we discriminate every time we make a decision. Mm -hmm. If you say, and and I want to put this as clearly as I possibly can. If you go into an ice cream shop and you say, I want chocolate ice cream, you have discriminated against vanilla ice cream Mm -hmm. because you decided, but, but that doesn't make your decision wrong. Right and and so when you say when you say and and now I'm going to bring it into to where this applies to racism when you say I'm not going to choose that man or that woman because that person is black you're discriminating on something that is not uh that is that is outside of their control right uh, that's if what you I was say, to say yeah yeah if you say this person is better qualified has better resume has a better opportunity to to thrive in this position you know whatever it is we'll talk about work um whatever they're doing the and you say we're not going to hire this person because they're black mm-hmm. that is the type of discrimination that we're talking about right. that is that is wrong and that is sinful because you're you're basing your discrimination on something that god has put into that person uh and 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 Made them the way that they are, and it is not your job to decide their inherent value. Yeah, and and you touched on it. There's nothing that person can do to change the color of their skin. Yes, or where, or I mean, yeah, that's to 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 discriminate against somebody based on something that is, like you said, completely outside of their control is is just wrong and it's not if you're a believer it's for sure not how you should act if you believe that all life is important and every person is made in the image of god then it's something that you need to check if you're finding yourself in situations like that yeah so and and i I mean i think what we're saying here is that discrimination against uh, ice cream cones and and against things you know making decisions that type of discrimination is is arbitrary. But when you apply that same discrimination to people, mm-hmm. when you apply that same discrimination to people who are bear, image bearers of, of a holy God, you are discriminating against the image of that God. You are discriminating against that God specifically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and so... That's that's where I wanna I wanna make sure that we are being crystal clear about that because you know, we understand that there is discrimination and what we're saying is some discrimination is okay when it's arbitrary discrimination. Yeah. when you're when you're saying I want uh, a red crayon or a blue crayon. Mm-hmm. That's arbitrary discrimination I mean, when, versus I mean, at, at that the, point you're talking about discrimination against inanimate soulless inanimate objects. Object. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a cat person, I'm a dog person. That's discrimination. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but but when it comes down to people, people are on a completely different realm and should not, could not, would not, shall not be discriminated against yeah. according to the image of God. Yeah. As as the only thing on this planet and right, in the entire universe, let's just go ahead and say that, mm-hmm. as the only thing on in the universe that is made in the image of God, mankind should not be discriminated against. Yeah, yeah. They bear that special mark, mm-hmm. and so, so you know, we see that in Revelation when we see the picture of of heaven as as all mm-hmm. peoples, every tribe, every tongue. And the the interesting part about that is that you know in, in in that there's there's really this kind of this inerrant idea that it was every tribe and every tongue from the beginning, right? And so. To say, and, and this goes back to the argument that you know, some some people were cursed, and and they're cursed to be black, and that's their that's their you know that's their curse, and they have to live with that. Well, Scripture here in Revelation says, no, every tribe, every tongue, mm-hmm. every nation, if they're cursed, guess what? They're not getting into heaven. Uh, you know uh, uh, that may be oversimplifying the situation, but but if if somebody is cursed by God. Mm-hmm. That person is not going to obtain salvation. Yeah, and and so they will not be in heaven. Um, and so to say that that people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be in heaven means that there's not a tribe, tongue, or nation That's on cursed. earth that is cursed by God. Hmm. So so that so that negates that argument about Ham or his descendants being. Oh, cursed. it absolutely does. Hmm. It absolutely it it. it, it you know, in the terms of clickbait journalism, it destroys the the argument, or, yeah. or it just des- it owns them. Yeah, <laughs> Revelation owns Genesis nine. <laughs> um, hmm. so so it's it's an interesting, and that's the thing is is when you're going to talk about something in scripture, and this is why I am always a fan of shut your mouth until you can learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, don't open, don't share that stupid Facebook article where you know some dude was talking about it and and, and it's a super hazy video that looks like it was shot on an iphone one uh and i mean in all honesty you probably just need to stop sharing on facebook probably probably In in general but do a little bit of research because i can't tell you in the last four or five months how many people that i personally know that have shared something and then Two weeks later, had to retract them sharing it mm-hmm. because they realized it was false information, or the person who was putting it out had a had a secondary agenda. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? Do a little bit of homework before you just go willy nilly sharing things on Facebook. Yeah, you know, uh, that's, do, that's, do good, advi- that's good advice. Even if we weren't talking <laughs> about racism, <laughs> yeah, that, that's just in general. That's in general advice right there. But yeah. but specifically when it comes to racism, because here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this shortly. There is a group called Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and there is a hashtag called Black Lives Matter, and and we're going to break these down in, in just a minute. But understand the difference between the movement, the organization, and the hashtag, mm-hmm. um, and, and be willing to engage people where they are and what they're using and learn and let them define their terms so that you know where you are so that you can intellectually engage with that person. Right. Instead of just shouting at them or instead of just accusing them of being this or of being that when in the reality is that they're not that. Mm-hmm. And so so, you know, when you assume certain things of people, you end up in this mindset that is that is really based in racism. It's it's a mindset that says this person is this way, so they're that thing. Uh, you know, this black person says black lives matter. So obviously he's a Marxist, you know, and, and you draw these conclusions that are not there and don't Mm -hmm. need to be drawn. And so that leads us, or maybe it leads me, I don't know if it leads you, but it leads me to the question. Our next question is why has the church been silent on the, on the topic of racism? Well, I think, you know, there's this history of you know, within the church just kind of like not, especially in the last like 20 or 30 years, not really speaking up when it comes to social issues. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about like the civil rights movement. Um, you shared a podcast with me today where the guy talks about how a lot of the leaders of the, of the civil rights movement of the 1960s were black clergy or black yeah. pastors and reverends like the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Um, so, you know, the church is where change happened then, but, you know, the last 20 or 30 years, any time that a issue of social justice comes up, any time, except for, I guess, now, is like the one exception I can think of, um, but the church has kind of just been really silent. Um, mm-hmm. It's this whole idea that... Um, and it might, it might... I mean, it might come back to... The settlers of the of our country when they first came over here from Europe, because they would use religion to justify things like enslavement and mm-hmm. genocide and taking land, um, and so it's you know the the question the question becomes like if we really believe that white supremacy, which is which is kind of, which is what movement, which is what the Black Lives Matter movement not the organization. um, And the organization, too. So, yes. So, you talk about white supremacy. If we're saying white supremacy makes Jesus angry, does it make his church angry? Yeah. Does, does, does things like the um, unnecessary deaths of black people at the hands of cops or in police custody, does that anger the church the way it angers Jesus? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people who will say, you know, oh well, he was he he was a bad guy, they're like okay, but that does that justify a cop suffocating the man? Yeah. Does that justify that? Um, is Did it, his crime merit capital punishment? Yeah. Without and, and, without a judge jury, yeah. or, or you but, know, well, a fair trial. Yeah. I mean, the the cop was the judge and the jury and the executioner at that point. I saw this thing where, I think it was the guy who, I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was a comparison between, like, the guy who shot up the theater in Colorado Mm -hmm. during the Dark Knight, or the Dark Knight Rises, whatever it was
0: few years back. Yeah,
1: Aurora Carl. Yeah, yeah. So, So, that guy got arrested, and as far as I know, is alive in jail. He killed people. Like, he... Broke into a theater with a gun and killed people. Yeah, and he's still alive. He still has his life. Yeah. So, well, think think about Dylan. Here's a little more more uh, recent one. Think about Dylan Roof, the kid who went into a black church and shot people mm -hmm. during a church service in South Carolina. Yep. Was and then was arrested and caught. And you know, um, uh, and and so think about that versus a guy who tried who was alleged to have tried to pass off a counterfeit bill. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest here for a second and tell you this. I work with a lot of money. I work with money on a daily basis. I have seen counterfeit bills. I have had counterfeit bills come through the place where I work. Mm-hmm. I have also taken a counterfeit bill unknowingly to the bank. And then the bank go, hey, did you know this is a counterfeit bill? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that was a counterfeit bill. You know? And so... so just because he was trying to pass it off doesn't mean he knew it was a counterfeit bill, Mm -hmm. but we're never going to know if he knew that because a police officer took matters into his own hand. Yeah. And so, so, you know, what we've done is we've silenced half of the story and now we're trying to make it, make the silencing of that half of the story justified, which is why, again, this points back to why there is such anger and animosity and why there has been a rise of a group like black lives matter mm-hmm. because because of this thing happening over and over and over again now you can make the argument that it doesn't happen as much today as it did back then that isn't that is an argument to be made and i understand that argument but the reality of it is it's still happening yeah you, you, you know you can't you can't use the argument that it's not happening as much to say it's okay that it's still happening yeah. It's like saying our cancer rate has dropped, so obviously we have defeated cancer. No, no, you haven't. People mm-hmm. still get cancer. Yeah. Um, and, and I love this quote. I, I didn't put this in our notes, but it made me think about it. It says, if we're willing to look at the past with honesty, it is virtually impossible that we are prepared to talk or prepared to speak truthfully and empathetically about the present. So if if we're not willing to look back at what happened, Mm-hmm. and honestly assess it and not try to justify it and not try to to make excuses for it. well this and this and that well if he wouldn't have done that and if he wouldn't have done this then it would all be a different different story you know and and uh i, I made the argument years ago when when uh george zimmerman shot that kid trayvon martin i that you know they were like well he shouldn't have, Trayvon Martin shouldn't have been doing this. And, and Trayvon Martin had a history of drugs. And Trayvon Martin had this and that and this and that. And I was like, okay, you want to make all of those arguments. That's that's okay if you want to make those arguments. Be prepared to defend them. Here's the argument that I'm going to make. If George Zimmerman would have minded his own business, that kid would still be alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and it, it's, it's it's, the kid was walking down the street. He was not breaking the law. At the time when George Zimmerman shot him, now had he broken the law? It's entirely possible. Did George Zimmerman witness him break the law? To my knowledge, no, he did not. Yeah. What he witnessed was a kid in a hoodie walking down a street, and and there is nothing against the law of doing that. And so, if George Zimmerman said, "Man, that kid's walking down the street in the rain. Sucks to be that kid. Yeah. I'm going to bed." You know, instead of being a uh, instead of being a paranoid, I want to go pull my gun out because I'm a neighborhood watch and shoot somebody. Uh, you know, then then Trayvon Martin would still be alive. Right. And so, so to make that argument to me is ludicrous. And and it's arguments like that that have silenced the church because we're so paralyzed mm-hmm. by this fear that that us saying something about it is going to bring a reaction from people. Yeah. And, and and here's the thing, I would rather have a reaction from people now than I would have a reaction from God mm-hmm. at, at the judgment. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the judgment. And and let me tell you something. Staying silent on areas of injustice, you're gonna see those things. Yeah. When you're standing before judgment. Mm-hmm. You're going to see those things and you're and and it's going to be embarrassing. I'm probably going to be embarrassed for some of the things that I have not said. Right. And so, so why has has the church been silent? I have no idea. Yeah, and but it's but it's time to quit. Yeah, and there's you know, I think I think you you touched on it. There's this fear of polarizing either your congregation or, you know, saying the wrong thing or, or whatever it is. Um, but I think we need to understand even if your church doesn't address it, you know. Social injustice does make Jesus angry. Social social injustice is not something that Jesus is like. Oh, look at them down there trying, you right. know, trying trying to get it to like. No, Jesus is like, I, I, like, I I very much believe that social injustice makes makes Jesus angry. Um, but, you, but when you talk about social justice, not you know, not injustice, but social justice, that's hard to say um it's not a, like this liberal agenda that's new it's a it's a no. tradition of our faith it, it, it's been it, around since like since Jesus walked the earth yeah so there, there is has been a around. there is a reason that socialists claim that Jesus was a socialist there, there is a reason for that now you can disagree and and i would disagree that Jesus was a quote socialist as we understand socialist in the 20th century i, I, mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference and, yeah. and and i i would 100% agree with you that social justice is a christian tradition and not a liberal agenda but i think we also have to asterisk that and say because there is a period in church history where people made social justice out to be the gospel mm-hmm. not not a gospel not a part of the gospel not a a uh, you know uh, a natural expansion of the gospel but they said if you don't believe in social justice and the people that did that were very widely liberal in their theology mm-hmm. and so there's this fear that came out of fundamentalism and in the transition from from fundamentalism into modernity that, that really said because it was it was the modernity that said you know we're gonna go against fundamentalism and and i would agree that fundamentalism is wrong um, but they say we're going to go against that. And we're going to be basically this whole opposite thing. And everything is free love and everything is, you have to do good for your neighbor. And that's what gets you to heaven and doing social justice became what was required by the gospel. And, and, uh, I, I think I I mean, at that point, it's just another work. I mean, exactly. Just, exactly. We, we talked to, we talked before about it's Jesus plus nothing. So exactly. even if you're doing the social justice thing, right, it, it so, doesn't matter. Exactly, and if so, if we want to say that that social justice is an aspect of the gospel, absolutely, I 100% agree with that, and I think you can read the book of James and find that out, Mm -hmm. because James says faith without works is dead. Right, Uh, James is the guy that you know. Once we're once we're secure in our faith, once we know he's the guy that says pure and undefiled religion says going to the poor, taking, you know, taking care of the widow and the orphan. Mm -hmm. Those are the people who are socially unjusticed. Right. I I think I may have just made that word up, but, but there there's, there's just, you know, I think about single moms who are uh, in a situation of trying to take care of their kids and they just can't get ahead because they're, they're, you know, in the situation they're in now. Why they're in the situation, we can have that discussion. But that does not change the fact that that single mom still needs help. Yeah. You know, talking about her situation doesn't fix her situation. Getting in there and doing it is what fixes her situation. And that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He got into people's situations. He got into people's business. And he said, let me be here for you and let me help you. And that's what that's what I would say social justice looks like, is how the church responds to people. I think about churches... Like Church of the Highlands uh, in the Birmingham area, uh, I read an article about them where they basically been kicked out, but now they can't do, they had a whole thing set up to provide medical care for the city of Birmingham, and they can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they, that was a church, whether I agree with them or not, that was a church that was providing a social justice in the city of Birmingham, and now they can't do that anymore. Right. And so, so you know, I, I think about that kind of stuff. What are what are some of your thoughts going on on this? Um, I mean, you're absolutely right when you talk about you know Jesus. Part part of almost all of Jesus's ministry was ministering to people who couldn't help themselves. Was ministering to the to the people who were ostracized from society that yeah. nobody wanted to touch. Like Jesus healed a leper who could like. Who sat at, at a pool and hoped that someone would just drop him in? Like, am i making that up. Uh, no, that's uh, that's. No, so, so yeah. uh, I, I, I'm like, that sounds like it, it sounds ridiculous. The way I explained it. Um. So you know, Jesus helped these people who literally couldn't help themselves, but also couldn't do anything to help him. Yeah. Um, and we as believers like. I think we've got it ingrained in our mind that we can help people as long as they return the favor Mm -hmm. and, you know, part of the Christian faith is helping people almost helping people, even though they can't do anything for you in return and, and, and looking for those opportunities to help people who are helpless on their own, who need somebody to help them and can't help you back. Yeah. Um there's a theological term for that. It's called grace. Yeah. <laughs> so um so you know, we talk we've we've kind of hinted at it a couple of times tonight. Um so the idea of black lives matter the phrase mm-hmm. versus black lives matter the movement. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, um, you know, where where I'm going to come down, and and I, I believe that we're going to agree on this. Um, I I think that as Christians, we have to 100 percent, absolutely affirm, and 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 yes and amen the phrase, the sentence, Black Lives Matter, um, because the reality is that uh, all lives matter. Yes, but. God specifically made black people. God specifically made white people. God specifically made Asian people. God specifically made Indian people. Um, so, Indian lives matter. Black lives matter. White lives matter. All lives matter. Yes, but in in the in the place where we are, especially as an American society, there are times when you need to refresh yourself that a specific thing is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I think as Americans. It's time that we again going back to that quote, we need to recognize what our past actually is and and realize that okay, we can do things a little bit differently. And it's not dishonoring and it's not uh it's not erasing the past. There are uh, now I'm I'm speaking specifically about peaceful, let's have discussion talks with people who affirm the sentence Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. That I'm okay with. Now, what I'm not okay with is is riots and anarchy, destruction of public property, um, and then the movement, the actual website of organizational Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Because I have read their organizational belief system, and I do not believe that that organizational belief system is in line with what scripture teaches. Right. And, and if you if you want to go read it, you can go read it. Just mm-hmm. go to Black Lives Matter and click what we believe. That's all yeah. you have to do. Yeah. So I, I want you to go read these things because, honestly, reading things that you don't agree with is the best way to understand their position and your position. Right. But you, you can't understand where someone's coming from if you're not willing to either listen to their listen to their point of view or do some research on your own. Do some yeah unbiased... Yeah. not leaning one way or the other research. Let people define the terms that they're using mm-hmm. um, and, and that's, you know, again that's why I go to pages like what we believe this is their terms, I'm reading their terms I'm understanding their terms mm-hmm. um, and, and so, you know when I read their terms and I, I, I listen to what they say, I disagree with what they're saying mm-hmm. because I don't believe the phrase or the, the organization Black Lives Matter actually believes Black Lives Matter Right. I think they believe their agenda of, of sexual revolution, destruction of the family, um, I, that to me is what they believe in, which is what has been destroying the black family and black lives for the last uh, probably 40 to 50 mm-hmm. years. I mean, you, you, you could almost even trace it back to the New Deal with, with FDR a mm-hmm. little bit, um, but but it has been there has been a there has been a systemic issue with black people since the founding of america re- really uh, i'm willing to say that and and has it gotten better yes i believe it has gotten better but that again that doesn't mean the problem is gone just because it's gotten better right and just because it's gotten better doesn't mean it's time to ignore it right you know when you're uh, i'll I'll keep using the the uh, idea of cancer when your cancer shrinks, you don't just magically go, "Oh man, all my cancer is gone." No, it shrunk. You have to keep fighting it. You have to mm-hmm. keep focusing, and in reality, you have to focus even harder on it once it shrinks um, to, to to get it to where it goes away. Right. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where again, we have to be honest about the past. We have to be willing to say some things that that make us uncomfortable. And we have to be willing to listen to what others are going to say. Yeah. And and I think too, you know, we talk about the phrase Black Lives Matter, and we as believers have to affirm that hundred percent, stand behind it. Um it's hard to do that because now in, in that podcast that we'll we'll share in the show notes um that we're that we're talking about here, um The, uh, well, my brain. Hang on, I gotta. (laughs) I'm sorry. Got it. it. Okay, sorry, I'm. I had a thought and I got distracted. You forget your thought? No, I got it. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. okay. So, so, um, three, two, one, and so, um, the podcast that we've referenced a couple of times, um, that talks about Black Lives Matter—the phrase versus Black Lives Matter—the movement, which we'll share in the show notes, um, talks about how you can believe Black Lives Matter the fr- the phrase, but you can't disassociate it from. The movement, the organization, the whatever you want to call it, Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter. Um, And so we as believers have to be very careful when we say things, when we say or post things like hashtag Black Lives Matter, because doing things like that can lead other people to believe that you endorse. The, you know, you're endorsing the organization, you're endorsing mm-hmm. um, the group Black Lives Matter, not really believing or really wanting to show that you believe that Black Lives Matter. Right, right. So, um, you know, and, you know, just kind of moving on from there, um, I feel like the church and Christians in general to avoid feeling discomfort about race or sexuality or like just dismissing history in general, Mm -hmm. they'll like say that like equality and justice is, um, just total dismissal of cultural identity, ethnic identity. Um, but that couldn't be further from the truth. You can't, you can't have a, Somebody who looks vastly different than you, whose whose race of people or or however you want to describe it. This is really hard to to talk about. I don't know if you can tell. Um, we picked an easy topic yeah, to start so, with. Yeah, so, so so you know, but you know, people who say like, "Oh, we just need to totally dismiss the idea of cultural identity," they'll use Galatians three twenty eight, um, to mean that nothing else matters beyond our faith in Christ. When in reality, God cares very much about yeah your your race, your ethnicity, your culture. Yeah. He gave again, you that, he made you that way. He put you in that culture, yeah, for a specific reason and purpose, and that's yeah. So, here's here's the thing: we're not we're not supposed to be uh you know every single church in the world is not supposed to be identical. What uh, It's ludicrous It's ludicrous There are cultures that are going to have their own Cultural things that they do mm-hmm. and, and I think where, where the problem begins And where the problem uh, I guess f- Founders and festers Is when we look at another culture That does something differently from the way we do it And we say well, they're wrong For doing it that way That's not the right way That's not the way we do it and so, can I give an example of this? Sure, do it. So, please. so if you've ever been on a mission trip to a third world country, um, I've been to Africa a couple of times. I'm not going to say where, but if you listen, you probably know. If you know who we are, you definitely know. Um, so, I've been to Africa a couple of times, and their church services are substantially different than mega church <laughs> in Southeast United States. Yeah. Um. Not Any church in the United States, totally, for that matter. <laughs> um, not structured. Um, singing will go on forever. Dancing. Crammed into this, like, you got more people in a building than should ever be in that building. Um, and But it's also, like, it's probably the most joyful experience I've had in a church service. Because you've got... All these people in here that are truly worshiping Jesus. And does it feel weird to a white guy? Yeah. To a white guy from the United States? Yes. But it's not wrong. Yeah. Just because it looks different doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. It's just because it's not the way you do things at home Yeah. doesn't make it wrong. So, so one of the things that, that I have been a part of in my life is several multicultural churches coming together and and doing a worship service and and what was so much fun about it is we would have african-american brothers in Christ and and we and and we would put this together and for me the, the the funnest part about it was getting to learn from them learn you know man how do you do this how do you you know how do you structure this how do you change that and listening to them and listening to what they do and then then trying to kind of almost in, in a way mimic it mm. um because it was so interesting to me but then but then again just recognizing that man god gifted this person the way he gifted which is different from my giftings it's, it's different from the way i would do it and celebrate that uniqueness and celebrate that those differences because our differences are unified in the person of christ right you know and and once we get past the idea that we're different and realize that our differences are unified in the person of Christ i think we could begin to see a lot of multi racial multi ethnic types of worship it doesn't mean it has to be that way every time you don't have to have a 100% multi ethnic church period i understand that there are going to be churches that prefer uh the way that that uh more white people worship okay that's fine and then there's going to be churches where more black people worship that's fine but what we need to realize is that we're all worshiping the same god Mm -hmm. and and we're all on the same team we're all there for the same purpose and the black people with their amazing tambourine players that i'm jealous of you know they're they're going to do things differently than the white church that has you know the the u2 guy that That looks like Bono or or who's the the Edge, you know, playing electric guitar on stage. You know, it's it's two different styles, Mm -hmm. and it's it's not saying that one is bad and one is good. It's saying they're both equally creative, Mm -hmm. and and look at how they point and worship to God, and and so that's that to me is really that's a way that we can work toward reconciliation, which I I believe is one of the things that the church needs to do, and I believe that's what Second Corinthians five points us to, Mm -hmm. um, is the work of reconciliation. How do we find unity in our differences? How do we find unity and commonality in the person and work of Jesus Christ that, w- that leads us to go, man, how can we help you serve your community? And then in turn, they go, man, how can we help you serve your community? Because inevitably, that's what ends up happening is it's, it's not about they do it their way, we do it our way, and we stay on our opposite sides of the fence. It's about, man, I love working with these people. Let's find out how we can serve them. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe we can go over and lead worship for their worship team because their worship team never gets a break. And then maybe their worship team can come over and lead worship for our team because our team never gets a break. Um, And so you find ways to minister to people. And we do these things like learn and listen from each other. Um, and, And honestly, I believe this is this is set out from the beginning. It's set out from church leadership. Yeah. And and you have to have it at the leadership level before it's gonna fall down into the into the lay people. Yeah, like like anything else, if your leadership's not on board, if you're if it doesn't come from your, your lead pastor and it doesn't come from your church staff, then the people aren't gonna take ownership. Yeah. Ninety nine times out of a hundred your people are not gonna <laughs> do something that the staff is not on board with. Yeah. Yep. Um so, you you know, you have this idea that it starts with the leadership. We listen, we learn, we set the example, we be the example. Um, and, and I kind of hit on this a second ago, and, and I, I think this right here is probably a good place to kind of sum up and try to wrap up this whole thing. Um, but we say, how do we, as Christians, how should we approach the idea of racial reconciliation? What are some ideas that we can do? I just want to make sure we're at the same spot here. I've kind of skipped down Yeah, to... are you on the last point, or are you... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry, there's been a bug in our house, like, <laughs> walking around, like, one of those big, like, cockroach-looking things, and I've been trying to, like... Trap it? Trap it, and I had a water cup that was finally empty, so I've got it underneath a water cup right now, so nice. I have to I have to smush it down into the carpet a little bit, so... Palmetto bug. Yeah. He's about to be dead, so. Alright, so how should Christians approach racial reconciliation? Yeah. The answer is recognize the depth of our human depravity, right? It can be that or it can be something else. Okay. Alright. Whale. Well, okay. Cool, 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 cool. cool, cool. Here, I'll bring us back in. Okay. So as we as we we focus on churches and, mm-hmm. and Church is engaging with racism. Mm-hmm. It it lead to me. It leads us to the next logical question, which is how should Christians approach the idea of reconciliation? Well, I think you know, there's a couple of different things that the church needs to be, you know, working toward and 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 doing things to be the leaders in this. But really, one of the big ways is just to be the example of what it mean, what it looks like to to go and move in that direction. Um, the heart of God is to reconcile. You know, if we're, if we're saying that we are image bearers of God, then our goal should also be to strive for reconciliation, whether that's within, um, with what we've got going on in our own life or racial issues or whatever. Um, but but if if we have been found new in Christ, if if we have been made new in Him, then we don't we don't have the luxury to say oh stuff's going on with different races, uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna tap out of this one like like yeah. that that's not a that's not a luxury that believers have, um so I, I think we need to lead and show, you know that it, these are issues that we do care about we do care about um black men and black women who are who die at the hands of cops for no reason or that don't have an opportunity to tell their story. Um, so we don't get the whole story. We only know half of it and, you know, the I don't want to say winners of history, but <laughs> the people who don't die get to tell their story, yeah. you know. So, you know, as believers, we shouldn't stand for that. Now, does that mean we take up, you know, Molotov cocktails and set buildings on fire and burn down Wendy's and and break into buildings and, and loot and stuff like that. No, not at all. That's, we are still image bearers of Christ. We don't, we don't get that luxury. Um, yeah. <clears throat> we, we find peaceful ways to, to show our, to, to show our brothers and sisters love and compassion and open up lines of communication to where they feel like, you know, here are people who want to hear our side, who want to understand what it's like for us, um, and, and I don't think change is going to happen with riots and looting and um, people yelling and and saying, you know, Black Lives Matter and and you know defund police and all this stuff. Like, like mm-hmm. I don't think legitimate change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, not not until we have people on both sides sitting down having conversations about where we're coming from and and where, you know, why things, it's a, I don't know. It's every, I think everyone on both sides needs to be willing to have that conversation to to come to the middle and say, Mm -hmm. this is, we need to have a plan on how to how to how to move past this yeah yeah i i think i've said it once tonight before and i'll say it again we need to turn off social media and we need to turn off the news mm. because the more and more i see news reports uh and and articles being shared what i'm seeing is this sensationalized germ- journalism from realistically from both sides of the fence you know, if, you, if, if somebody were to only read journal articles and watch news right now, they would probably swear that America is nothing but, uh, you know, rioting destructive people and, and people who just want to run down the street with their American flags. You know, that, that's, the, that's the two pictures being painted right now mm-hmm. is these back, backwards hicks that, that just want to run down the street with their American flags and rioting people who want to burn down the whole system right and and we we've let ourselves be sensationalized to the point where if an article doesn't enrage us to something to to point at the other side and go you're wrong you're wrong then then that article doesn't get any traction and so journalists are doing what they're going to do to try to keep their job they're just going to keep sensationalizing right and and until we stop the cycle and stop the flow and quit reacting and start thinking you know they're going to keep doing it they're going to keep doing it and so so you know i think you're exactly right we we have to slow down we have to recognize and then the other thing that we have to recognize is the depth of our own depravity mm-hmm. you know we talked about this in packer our sin knows no bounds we you know we are born in the depths of the depravity we have inherited from adam that's what romans chapter five teaches us mm-hmm. and until we're willing to come to grips with that depravity. And realize that in the midst of the image of God on every single person, that person is also as depraved as we are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, and that's where, I think that's where what you were talking about earlier with grace comes in. It comes into play so big. And this is what, why so much grace should be built into the Christian worldview is, is we have to be defined by our love. We have Mm -hmm. to be defined by um, the way that we love people. Now, loving people means correcting people sometimes but it means correcting people in the right way and and so we have to be known and and there's there's always that one person in your life that like they get onto and you're like man i have never felt so good in my life about you know getting yelled at right uh, essentially because because the way that that person did it you knew that person cared for you you knew they loved you you knew they had your best interest in in their heart and that's why they were telling you this this hard thing Mm -hmm. Uh, or that's why they were trying their hardest to correct you and tell you that hey this is wrong what you're doing is wrong and here's how you need to correct it um and and until people understand that that's coming from from us as christians they're they're always going to see us as the other side yelling back across the fence and as long as that's the way they see us, then our message is never going to go through. And so, to bring all of this back around, yes, this is a gospel issue because it's affecting the way the gospel is going forth. Mm. It's it's affecting the way that people and Christians are able to communicate the gospel to a lost and dying world. So, yes, this is a gospel issue. You can try to not make it one, and you can, and you can bring all your statistics at me all you want to and i will look at you and i will say if you do not have love you are a clashing symbol and and if if that's if everything about you is about correcting someone and just putting someone down you're not bringing love into the equation hmm. and and so you know we we have to recognize our own depravity we have to recognize the other person's depravity and then we have to seek to build bridges in love and truth uh, all the way through that, because until we get to that point, we will never see racial reconciliation. Yeah, is that it? Is that all? We're, is that all we have to talk about racism? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we man, we we are scratching. I mean, we're barely itching on the surface of this, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's and there's so much more. Yeah, I mean, really, we could. I mean, we're not going to, but we could almost do concise theology length. Yeah, just on racism. episodes, just on racism. Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope we, I hope we were clear tonight. It felt we felt more prepared on the front end, <laughs> and as we got into it, and the rabbit trails started coming in and out. Um, but I think you know this was a good discussion for us to have, and I, and I do think that you know, I. My hope, and I, th- I would, I hope, I believe Rick's hope is that this gets you thinking and mm-hmm. talking about, you know, this, I, what's going on in our country. And right as yeah. believers, we can't be silent. We can't be oblivious. We can't ignore what's going on in our society right now. Um, we've, we have to, at the end of the day, we will have to choose a side. Yeah. And and the side will always be um love for your brothers and sisters no matter mm-hmm. what they look like, what they've done. If if you have a brother in your church who's been part of the violent riots, you show that brother love. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus still loves that man. Yeah. So, yep. And and you know, bring, bring them in, talk to them, find out why they're, they're doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're, uh, if your brother in Christ is saying, you know, all of this is, is hogwash and it's all being made up and none of what these people are saying is true. Talk to him, Mm -hmm. love him, find out why he believes that. And then what you'll find is that, that the people who are the loudest keyboard warriors on the internet typically are not that, that strong willed. Mm. in a a face-to-face conversation so put down your tablets put down your computers pick up uh a cup of coffee and go sit and have a face-to-face conversation with somebody yeah because until we until we put that kind of stuff down we're we're never going to see any kind of any kind of help here yeah so well patrick if they want to get a hold of us on uh internet places that i just told them to put down Where would they do such findings of us? So if you are ignoring Rick's plea to put your internet stuff down, um, actually, if you want to reach out and have a conversation with us, we would love to
0: to talk to
1: you about anything that we've talked about tonight or any, in any other episode for that matter. Um, You can find us on Instagram. We are over there at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter. We are there at beers and Bible P one. You can find us on Facebook, just search "Beers and Bible Podcast" and look for our logo, and then you can also email us over at uh, beersandbiblepodcast@gmail.com, and we hope that uh, we hope that this episode of the podcast has been informative and um, thought-provoking, and that you uh, do uh, like like we said like like we've told you. Told, told everyone several times. We we want to make sure that we're driving you to do your own research, to to find out where you stand on on things. And, and when it when it comes to racism, um, there may not be a lot of places to stand, and and, and knowing where you want to stand and being firm and that is going is going to be important. So, yeah. But anyway, until next week. Oh. We will see you later. So, peace out. Deuces. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this
0: podcast.